This is Infinite Spaghetti, a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host, Ethan Minsker. Part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network. Hello, people out there in the interweb world. We have a special guest for episode two, Baroness Von T. I'm going to let her describe who she is and why you people out there should get to know her. Baroness Von T, big builds and butt stuff. I do competition cosplay pieces as well as ranging all the way into the lewd and nude kind of sex field over there hitting kind of the cosplay fetish. So really a very wide variety, but it's all based on characters that you find in video games, pop culture, television shows, animes. I have a passion for building things, I guess is what you can say. So thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank you for being here and joining us. How did this start? Let's start from the beginning. How did it start? So as far as like cosplay goes, I technically started in 2014, but that was after I knew what cosplay was. Like I had found it and I found these people and I was like, wow, there's these people that create these costumes all the time. And I wanted to do that. But before that, I was just a really weird, nerdy girl from a very, very tiny town. Grew up in a town population 400, like it's tiny. I have been building my own costume since I was six. I started because I always wanted to be some weird character for Halloween that they didn't sell in the store. So I would get like trash bags and duct tape and cardboard and make my own costumes. And I remember being angry as a child, thinking that it was very fair that you only got to dress up one day out of the year because I wanted to dress up as hundreds of characters but I only you know I can only pick one per year I'm like well this is garbage so it was, once I found cosplay and figured out that that was an actual thing it was like my life kind of clicked like these are my people this is what I wanted it took me until I was 26 years old to find cosplay y'all that's how sheltered the small town is now that I have found it I kind of like went haywire nuts with it and I build probably way too many I've always been a maker since as young as I can remember I had a friend that was just you know one day hey do you want to go to this comic-con in Kansas city with me and dress up and i'm like sure i'll be a nerd <laughs> and then i was like oh my people i get it can you give us like a general location i don't want stalkers showing up at your door or anything but like where where in the world are you so now i do actually reside in kansas city i moved here about five years ago to pursue cosplay and special effects makeup full-time which has been great if you're looking at a map you have des moines iowa Omaha, Nebraska, and Kansas City, Kansas. It's like a triangle there. Go right in the dead center of that triangle in the middle of BF nowhere in a tiny little town in Iowa. That's where I was born and raised in the middle of nowhere, cornfields. So you make an income from doing this full time. The whole pandemic and everything has been wild and basically shut the entire industry down. Prior to the pandemic, I was making the bulk of my income doing cosplay commissions for other people. So folks would hire me to build costumes for them, fees for being a guest at shows, so show appearances, and then also the income that's made off of selling prints and items at my booth at shows. So I like I used to make Pokemon Pokeball terrariums full-time. I still sell like the mini ones at my booth, but I do a ton of resin. So just like, I have a whole bunch of different things that I sell at my booths at conventions, along with prints, guest appearances. And then um, I'm also a professional special effects makeup artist, which COVID has also, you know, 
But before that, during the Halloween season, I always joke and say I make about a quarter of my income all at once in one month of the year with Halloween. So like say you're a novice cosplayer, a do and don't list for people their first time going to events. The first biggest thing is, especially if you're like on that edge of I'm not sure if I should cosplay something or not, just do it like. Cosplay is meant to be fun. And I feel like a lot of the times the cosplay community in general gets a bad rep of people that are like judgmental or, oh, your cosplay is not good enough, blah, blah. And like, I've never met people that are like that. You know, for me, cosplay is about having fun. Like you're representing a character that you enjoy. And I love, especially when I'm like a guest at cosplay conventions especially when people come up in their cosplays like i love seeing everyone else's work and getting to geek out about it with them so as far as cosplay goes just do it and then a big do not for novices just going into it um cosplay is not consent so big problem in the industry is a lot of female characters are drawn and designed in very scantily clad outfits. So just because a cosplayer is scantily clad does not mean she's asking for it. And this goes for the males too. I've got a few male friends that are, you know, big beefcake dudes that like, you just like they're rock hard and you just want to touch it. Don't touch it. If it's not your body, don't touch it. Cosplay is not consent. So no matter how someone's dressed, like always ask permission if you're taking photos with them. Cause like the amount of times I, you know, someone will be like, Hey, can I get a photo with you? Sure. And then like, there's the hand coming around and getting the butt or the boob. And you're like, Oh, just, yeah, you know. those photos will haunt you later. You don't want to <laughs> see hands in appropriate places. They have a tendency to stick around people. I also was like somebody I wanted to say is a bald man who was a bartender in the Lower East side for more than 15 years. You wouldn't imagine how many people would just reach over the bar and touch your head or if they had my tattoos out would like touch my tattoo and be like, Hey, don't touch the bartender. Like you have no right to touch me. I'm not touching you. Don't touch me. So, I thought I was going to get kicked off a flight once. I have a big tattoo on my arm here and I was mm -hmm. boarding a flight. And I think I just overreacted because I had had a bad experience with a guest at a convention. And I was like, you know, on my way home, like just need to decompress this and that. And I'm walking down the aisle and someone grabs my arm and I immediately like yanked away and like come back. Like I was, <laughs> and I realized it was the flight attendant. And I was like, excuse you. And they're like, I just wanted to see your tattoo. And I'm like, it doesn't give you the right to grab me. Like you were saying you were doing like resin and stuff. Like, how did you learn how to do the resin forms and that kind of stuff? Trial and error. <laughs> I've got a lot of friends. Networking is a huge part of this. Like I have so many friends who have so many skills in areas that I do not. And I'm fortunate that I can just be like, hey, how did you do this? As a general rule of thumb, most cosplayers in the community are very, very, very happy to share information and teach you how to do things. You just need to reach out and ask. So as far as resin, I personally think resin's pretty easy. Like you read the instructions on the bottle, you just follow them and it just kind of works. Making the molds was a little bit trickier, but also YouTube. YouTube has been my best friend through so many builds. Like you can figure out how to do anything on YouTube today. So I actually get my resin from Joann's. I never, I don't do a huge amount in resin and there are probably much higher quality resins that you can use, but I just get the little... Two pad, a little easy cast that, uh, well, which camera am I on? And it's just part A to part B and it's equal mixes. You mix it up and 
ideal for small casts. I just buy a lot of it. Yeah. And what are you there. making the molds out of? Like, are you using clay or? So the molds, um, it depends on what I'm using it for. So I have made my own custom molds before. And for that, I use a product called uh, Umu 30. And I get that on Amazon. And it, most of my knowledge from that came from YouTube, HDC Fabrication, Tim Harrison out of Chicago. He's a good friend of mine. He does a ton of casting and molding. He helped walk me through the process of that a lot. It's a silicone rubber. So once it's done and cured, it's flexible, like kind of like an ice cube tray mold, like those um, silicone ones you get, I guess. But I pour hard things like resin in that. And we have one comment from Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Do you build your cosplay around comfy shoes? I absolutely do. I think especially like the very scantily clad uh, characters we were talking about earlier. Most of the time in their designs, they're in those like six inch stiletto heels. And I don't know if y'all saw from the pictures or anything, but I'm a big girl. When you put 200 pounds on a teeny tiny little stiletto, it does not work in anyone's favor. <laughs> so most of my cosplays are absolutely, they're designed around comfortable shoes. Um, especially like I very much consider that when I'm thinking about whether I'm building something just for a photo shoot or if it's something I'm going to wear to a convention. Because if you're wearing it to a convention, you're likely going to be in it for multiple hours and you need to stand and walk on it. But I do a ton of my characters and photo shoots and stuff in those stiletto heels. I joke with my photographer. I'm like, once the heels are on, you have five minutes. Can you um, show some of the masks and stuff you made? This was King Leoric. This is one of the first FX builds I got into. As I said, I do special effects makeup full-time as well professionally. So this was a foam latex prosthetic that I sewed onto one of those black Under Armour masks. And then I hand-punched the little goatee here. And then I custom-painted all of it. This is just foam that I made the crown out of. But this was uh, my King Leoric. And this is my most recent FX build that I've done. And this was Sky Captain Crag from Hearthstone. This was for the uh, TwitchCon. Uh, they did their competition online virtually this year. And I was honored to be accepted as a finalist for that. I got my butt kicked. There was some amazing work in that competition. So it's okay. But I was in the FX category with this big boy. <laughs> But this was over 100 hours of hand punching this beard. Like you can see the backside of it. It's real messy from where all the hair is laid into it. This beard almost killed me. But this is actually, if you look inside here, this is a $1 flash mask from the Dollar Tree that I used <laughs> as a base. And this is mostly uh, liquid latex and foam that I built up and sculpted and did the whole face and everything on. The hat is foam as well. You said that was about a hundred hours of punching. Yeah, just the beard. Hair. Just how the much hair. do you think you spent on that? Just that mask. Yeah, uh, way too much. But everyone has their own kind of definition of how cosplay should be done or how they do it. The way that I personally view cosplay, a lot of my income now comes from my OnlyFans, my Instagram pages, where I'm expected to be putting out, you know, new cosplay work 
weekly, if not daily, which if you look at budget wise, it's impossible for anyone to churn out that amount of content. So what I do is every year I budget for two large competition pieces. So that would be something big and expensive like uh, Sky Captain Crag here. The one I'm working on currently is Lich King Arthas from World of Warcraft. And those are the big builds that I put most of my budget into. I spend a lot of time on those. Those are things that I'm specifically wanting to enter cosplay competitions with. And then for the rest of the year, everything else that I do, they are very quick, very cheap, very easy. So I either thrift the cosplays, I use sites like Easy Cosplay or MikoCostumes.com, and I order a lot of my costumes when they have sales or promotion codes. Um, And I do closet cosplays where I just take stuff that I already have and throw it together and you know, get as close to that character as I can, um, just because I don't have the budget to be doing, you know, 82 cosplays a year. <laughs> I think at final count for the end of 2020, I did 64 different looks for the year of 2020. Of course, only two or three of those were large fabricated cosplays. When you need to put out four to six sets per month on your sites, you got to, you know, find that middle ground and be able to churn out a lot of content. You can see here, like with the Sally Whitemane photos that just passed, that was one of my larger builds for 2020 as far as fabrication goes. But if you go a few photos back, there's another version of her where I just paired it with lingerie. So that's another way that I kind of try to stretch the content where, okay, I built this big character. Now let's shoot what we call like a lewd version of her where you just pair it with more uh, bedroom attire. Okay, so you briefly touched on it. I think this is a good place to talk about the fans only. It's really funny because like, especially, you know, when conventions come back someday, previously doing conventions and stuff, you know, when folks would ask like, where can I follow your work online? I always feel like I have to start that with like a disclaimer, like, well, if you want to follow my armor and like fully clothed cosplay, you need to follow me on Facebook. But if you're okay with like a lot of butt... Uh, that kind of work is on my Instagram. So I I always feel like I have to put a warning before my Instagram page. Like, um, yes, I do post cosplay stuff there, but you have to get comfortable with a lot of stuff real quick <laughs> before hopping onto that page. Explain to me the fans only thing. I mean, I, I kind of get the drift of it, but let's let's start at the beginning. Like, what is a fans only thing and how do you use it? So um, the OnlyFans page... Uh, For most people who are familiar with cosplay work, they're a lot more familiar with the page Patreon, um, which is a subscription-based site where you can pick a monthly amount to subscribe to someone and see content that they offer on those tiers. I had a Patreon for a while, and personally, I hated it. Like, you had to... As the creator, I had to go in and say, if you give me $1 a month, you get this. If you give me $5 a month, you get this. If you give me $10 a month, you get And it was so much to keep track of, like, who's getting what? Do I have enough content for every tier, et cetera, et cetera? And I didn't like the method they used. And then Patreon also turned heels and started banning nudity. So a lot of creators were at risk of losing their livelihoods because this content that used to be okay was now no longer allowed on their platform. And that was because of their payment servers. But OnlyFans was created by sex workers for sex workers, which are specifically women who do nudity, pornography, etc. 
but they have expanded and they encompass a much wider range of creators now. But it is the same subscription, monthly subscription-based service. But the difference there is I don't have to set like these levels, right? So for my OnlyFans page, it's $11.99 a month. And once you subscribe, you get access to all of the content that I do that month. And as the creator, I can choose to leave content up. So like, right, I'm actually just bad at taking it down. So right now, people that subscribe to me, they actually get all of December's content still because it's still up. As a creator, I don't have to decide what people do and don't get to see because I just feel like if anyone's paying to see my work, they should get to see all of my work that I'm that I'm posting there. Um, so I love that. So I use OnlyFans for, I do a lot of lewd, boudoir. I do full nude, um, nude and topless kind of cosplay sets. And we do nude videos every month as well. But since Instagram has gone to a place where it censors a lot of women's uh, content now, even if it's not against TOS, Instagram can still basically just say, oh, I don't like it. It's getting banned anyways. So I also have a free OnlyFans page and that's one where people can subscribe, but it doesn't cost them any money. And I use that page as basically what Instagram used to be, where I can post my teasers and my previews, basically I can say, hey, here's a preview of this nun photo shoot that we're releasing on our subscription page, but I'm not worried about, you know, Instagram, you know, taking my content down. And then I also use the free page where if people don't wanna pay a subscription price, they can purchase just individual photo sets. So it kind of, they kind of work together. I've got the subscription side where you can subscribe and see all of my content for free, or you can go to the free page and purchase individual sets if that's more to your tune. So I've been very, very fortunate that during COVID with the income from the comic conventions basically tanking, <laughs> I have been able to make that income up by uh, doing more content on the OnlyFans pages. I get like negative stuff online. So I'm I'm wondering like, how do, do you have that happen first off? Because I don't know what are the effects and how do you deal with it? getting any hate to my face at least <laughs> uh, i haven't had anyone just come out and say anything really anything downright mad uh you always have the random internet haters who are out there like oh you're a whore online blah 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 and then i just you know laugh all the way to the bank but also i wasn't doing as much content online on OnlyFans. Um, as I am now before COVID. So as far as like going to conventions and amongst my peers and stuff, I think it might be a little bit strange when we go back to doing shows because of the amount of work I do um, on the sex work side of things now. But it's always in the back of my mind. Like I personally feel like maybe I won't be taken seriously as a creator. And I think I push myself a little bit harder to make sure that I still do those really big, impressive builds so that people can see that, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion about, you know, you can do both. You can just because I make money taking my clothes off on a website over here doesn't mean I'm not capable of creating a large cosplay build over there. At the end of the day, I enjoy what I'm doing. So as long as I'm happy and, you know, myself is taken care of, their opinion doesn't, shouldn't hold a huge weight for me, I suppose. Um, well, I mean, there's always like, I mean, my Instagram is just full of like hate and then the inbox is full. It, it's, it's dick pics and hate, but you know, that's... That's that's random internet people. Like I don't count them. They don't count. <laughs> I don't ever, like I got a side note here is dick pics. I don't like 
looking at my own, I don't know why I would take a photo of that and share it with anyone. I mean, like, it's like <laughs> you go into the refrigerator and get like a uncooked sausage that is stuffed in, you know, like the pig intestine and go like, oh, look how beautiful this is. I'm going to share that. I mean, that's I like a, a general rule there. of thumb, like genitals well, some, are just ugly. Like, but somebody told me like, um, I was talking to somebody about this the other day and they're like, yeah, and they're never hard. And I'm like, wait, what? Like if I was going to take a photo, like, it would definitely time, be yeah. hard. At it least have to be hard. They're it would just not like be limpies laying there. Like, what are you doing? What is the trick to dealing with that? How do you overcome that and learn to ignore it? So there are days that it gets to me sometimes. And the number one the biggest thing that I get for hate is um, my size, my weight. Like people think that I'm really, really fat on the internet world. It's a lot easier for me. I don't know about everyone out in inter internet land, whatever. I've got a beautiful, gorgeous fiance that loves me and takes care of me and is great. And she's kind of like, at the end of the day, he's extremely happy with who I am and I'm happy with who I am. So people on the internet can kind of call me fat all they want because I don't care. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've attained a certain amount of happiness in my own life that I don't need to let what they think about my life affect how my life actually is. The way the world interprets imagery, like everybody on Instagram and Facebook is taking the perfect picture from the right angle and the best light. But the reality is, is like that lower shot where you're like, just like half, you know, tongue out. Yeah. Looking horrible. <laughs> That's who we all are. All yeah, the time. Oh, for sure. You know, so oh, yeah. You look at all like this work, like, and that's part of the job is making all these photos right here look flawless. Do you know how many hundreds of hours it takes to like get those angles? And again, I'm very fortunate. My fiance is also my photographer. So we've worked together for almost six years now to get those angles, to get that lighting, the amount of time I spent on the makeup. And like you said, like it's all, it's, it's very staged. Like it's, whereas, you know, this is, this is my normal habitat. Like, and I actually, that, like all these people <laughs> were probably casting stones. I think the pandemic has maybe worsened it a little bit since everyone's at home and the only interaction you get is online. But as a general rule of thumb, like you said, most people aren't going to say that stuff to your face. Um, whereas when they're hiding behind their keyboard, they're kind of feel invincible. Like they can say anything they want. <laughs> but I think that's why I love doing comic conventions as much as I do doing guests, meeting people, because in general, you know, most people are really decent, at least face to face. It's, it's when you put them behind keyboards and let them hide. It's like all this nonsense comes out. It's like, ugh. the worst one that like sticks out in my mind that I remember in recent history, I'm really good friends with Oh My Sophie and Termina Cosplay. They're wonderful humans. And we got together. It was right at the very beginning of the pandemic, like before lockdowns and everything happened. Um, we all traveled to Myrtle Beach together to do a bunch of like group cosplays and just hang out with each other and kind of have a girls weekend. It was really great. And the two of them are both really big fans of Dragon Ball Z. And I'm not really, I don't watch anime. I'm not an anime person. So I don't really know anything about it, but they were doing this group shoot and they want, and I wanted to be part of it. So I found this character that went along with their characters and it was super easy. It was Videl from Dragon Ball Z. It was literally because we were, we had a gym that we were able to shoot in. So 
I got the white t-shirt, some little black spandex shorts, good to go. Like we weren't trying to be perfect. It was just another one of those closet cosplays. I had the wig and we were on our way from the hotel down to the gym to shoot the set. And I had the ponytails on my wrist to put her hair into pigtails, but the hair was in my face while we were walking stuff. So I just threw it up into a ponytail on the way down there. And once we got to the gym, we were shooting this photo set and we ended up just having so much fun that the whole time I forgot to take my hair back down and put it in those pigtails that this character wears. So fast forward a couple months, we've got the photo shoots done. We're starting to release the, the images on the internet, et cetera. And this dude on Twitter, like he's unrelenting. He's like, oh, I would have given credit to this photo set if the Videl had even tried to wear pigtails, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, surfing his profile like what's up with this dude and it's literally like one of those like 50 year old dudes in mom's basement with four chins that probably hasn't left his recliner in six months like putting all of this judgment on a photo shoot that we did and the reason that the photo shoot wasn't accurate is because we were having so much fun doing it that we, that we forgot and i'm like the whole point of cosplay and what we're doing is to have fun. And we had so much fun that I messed up a very small detail on a character. Like, <laughs> it just blew my mind because, like, he was big mad. And I'm like, they're pigtails, dude. It's not that That's serious. not how I thought that story was going to go. I thought that was going to be one of these horrible, like, you know. No, and it's so Individual image type thing. And, and it, like, but it's interesting you're seeing it's like somebody's obsessed this is a part of the cosplay world that I'm learning is that the details of character have to be upheld or somebody gets bent out of shape, which seems nuts. Right. Because so some of the you, characters are blends of multiple when characters. You start so. in cosplay, you just have to know, like, there's going to be haters and you ignore them. Because most of the time, they're just like this dude. The dude that had a problem with my pigtails, he was not a cosplayer. He was not a Patarber. He had no input. You know, it was like... He, you don't know the 82 other hours of work that I did on the 18 other photo shoots I did that weekend. And it's like, and he thought it was his place to go nitpick it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, you just have to ignore those people. Like you could do something hundred percent, right? Every detail, everything accurate. And someone is going to find something that you did wrong, but that person is probably not someone whose opinion needs to have any effect on your life. Like they're not a peer. They're not within your group. They're not like, just ignore it. When I'm looking at other people's costumes, because there's a hundred times where I look at something, I'm like, Oh, that's not right. That's not right. And I think in my head, I'm like, I need to shut the fuck up <laughs> because it may not be right, but that's my opinion of what I think right should be. Maybe they had a reason they did it that way. Maybe they didn't have the budget to build it a certain way. Maybe they have some sort of restriction where they can't build it that way. I don't know. I don't know that person well enough to decide what is and isn't right for their cosplay. Because at the end of the day, they're in a costume playing. Like that's literally the two words together. Costume play, cosplay. Like it's, it's for fun. It doesn't need to be a hundred percent accurate. But as far as like news on a cosplay level, Japan has just introduced something where they're looking at copywriting characters for cosplay. And I haven't done enough research into it. I don't know what all it entails, but it sounds like some cosplayers in Japan are going to have to start applying for like um, the rights to cosplay a character. I'm not sure. 
but a lot of people are discussing kind of the ramifications of that. Specifically, I think what their law is targeting or what they're trying to target are people that make their living from cosplay. So people who are pretend someone commissioned me to build a World of Warcraft character it would be, you know, I'm getting paid to build a Warcraft character. So that would be like Blizzard coming in and say, hey, you owe us money from this because you're using our character. But again, legally, I don't know if or when it's ever going to happen. And if it happens over there, how that's going to apply to Americans. Um, as far as like casually cosplaying at conventions and that kind of stuff, I don't think it's going to matter at all to the casual cosplayers. I think they're looking at more of the the very big name cosplayers like Jessica Negri and folks that make a ton of money through cosplay content. We're waiting to see how that story develops. <laughs> Good to keep a watch out for. I'll give you the virtual egg. Here we go. It's going to be right, really I'm weird. Gonna... When we go back to like the world being alive, I'm really interested to see how hugs are going to be. Like, are they going to be weird? I mean, I'm somebody, <laughs> again, like I kind of explained this. I don't like anybody f***ing touching me. Don't and talk to me if I could wear a mask all day. So it's kind of perfect in a lot of ways. Though I do like going out and socializing. I love doing comic conventions, but I really do. Like Friday, start of the show, it's like flipping a switch. Like now I'm ready to socialize and meet people. And then Sunday at the end of the show, the switch flips off and I'm like, don't talk to me. Don't <laughs> look at me. I need a beer. Get away from me. <laughs> I'm like that with film festivals. Tell people where they should follow you. If you're interested in seeing my cosplay builds, my competition, my craftsmanship work. A lot of that is posted on Facebook at uh, Baroness Von T Cosplay. If you want like the whole, like everything I do, that's all on Instagram, but Instagram is much more focused on the sexier, lewd and nude content whenever I can like sneak it into the Instagram without getting banned. You can follow me on Twitter. I say funny shit there sometimes, but not really. Twitch, I am on Twitch streaming every Tuesday and Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time. And then, of course, OnlyFans. If you're looking for the sexy, lewd, nude content, there's OnlyFans.com and a slash Baroness Fonte cosplay there as well. So basically any page you could think I might be on, you can probably search Baroness Fonte cosplay and see if I'm there. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.